So today is the 18th of November 2020, a Wednesday. We come together to study Dhamma and grow in wisdom. When we study nature, we seek to understand nature. So being born, we have certain a certain level of innate knowledge. But if we don't practice or train our minds, then uh, further levels of knowledge don't arise. So both humans and animals both have this innate knowledge, this santya chayana. And this uh, innate knowledge is able to save one's life, for instance, uh, can be an instinctual knowledge of how to find food, how to find shelter, um, how to how to live uh, life, especially for uh, animals. They tend to have more more of this innate knowledge than than humans do. So while humans and animals both have this innate or instinctual knowledge. Um, the situation for animals is uh, different. For instance, the, even the senses of the animals can be more uh, acute or sharp than a human, like the very sharp eyes of a bird of prey or the very sensitive ears of various animals or the very refined and developed sense of smell of a dog, for instance that's able to smell many different smells. And these animals are able to help humans in various ways using their uh, higher level of abilities. For instance, dogs can be trained to find uh, different drugs, for instance. However, this innate knowledge, this instinctual knowledge in animals doesn't develop. They're just uh, born that way with that knowledge. So whether the animal lives a hundred years or a thousand years, that knowledge will stay the same. It'll be at the same level. It won't develop. So in the same way, a human that doesn't uh, train themselves, their knowledge doesn't develop, just like an animal. But humans have a, a brain that's capable of learning and developing. And this can be through study, and training one's mind. And one develops the mind to, to go to a higher level, to become uh, higher and of a greater quality. And this is something that's important. For instance, just following one's moods and following one's thoughts, this is something that's not useful. It doesn't have much value. And it even can be something that's very dangerous or even deadly. For instance, if uh, an individual or a group of individuals lacks loving kindness for their fellow beings and just follows their moods, such as anger, then they can use a weapon or weapons that have been built using this uh, developed intelligence, but they use these weapons uh, following these moods, and these weapons can destroy a whole continent or even kill all the humans on the whole planet can destroy the whole planet and all the beings on it. So what is important is to develop our minds. And a human is even capable of developing their mind to be higher 
than the level of a human. And a high-level mind is a mind that has virtue, that has sila. And this uh, knowledge, it arises from, from listening, to, from studying, from reading, from learning, from contemplating. And if one's wisdom is low, then one can be close to a wise person, and in this way they will develop quickly. Mumpucha taught that someone with a low level of spiritual virtue and a low level of wisdom, if they're close with a, a wise individual, close to a sage, then they can develop well and even develop more quickly than others that are not, uh, that don't closely associate with a wise individual. When I heard Lumpucha teach this, I felt that um, this applied to me, that I felt like being close to Lumpucha was a good opportunity for me. And it was important to find a wise person to be close with. Another example is if a student uh, has low wisdom or low intelligence, they can closely associate with a wise friend. And in this way, their level of activity and effort to learn and grow in wisdom can increase and they can improve their minds in this way. So we study and then we contemplate to develop our minds to become higher. We study and develop in this way, and then wisdom arises. However, our mind still has suffering. So once we study, then we seek to train our minds as well, to do bhavana, mental cultivation, to train our minds to be collected and peaceful. For instance, using bhuto, dhammo, sangho as a meditation mantra. When we look at the in and out breath, and we do this a lot, we do this bhavana a lot, and we can even uh, reflect and contemplate the world as empty. These are various methods to make the mind peaceful. So we do this, and this helps to decrease the chaos and trouble that the mind experiences. So we do this, and sometimes the mind is peaceful, sometimes the mind isn't peaceful. And sometimes the mind is peaceful just for a little bit, just for a very short time. And even in this short time, knowing arises, the mind feels uh, refreshed and open, and the mind can understand the Dhamma. And this is capable of curing the suffering in the heart. So we study, we listen, we do mental cultivation, we contemplate, and this, all of these things build wisdom. And we have this faith as a foundation, sufficient faith to, to live as a good person. And we have faith in uh, good practitioners such as Lumpu Cha, Lumpu Man, Lumpta Mahabua, for instance. We study their stories, their biographies, and we seek to follow in their footsteps, follow their example. For instance, Lumpucha taught that in the cold season, one should put up an umbrella tent under a tree and stay in that. And I practiced in this way after the Katina ceremony, after the end of the annual rains retreat, 
around October, I would stay in an umbrella tent under a tree until about May. And this is a way to practice and train the mind. Or if there's a cave available, one can use that as well. And in terms of one's cloth, one can just use a discarded cloth. And even if there's a lot of food in the monastery, then one still goes on alms round. And even if there's a lot of medicines available, one doesn't forget the traditional medicine of fer fermented urine. And this is all a way to train the mind, to teach the mind. So we have faith in mental cultivation and we seek to practice to make the mind peaceful. And then this wisdom arises from the collected mind. So we do this and then our faith becomes more stable and solid in the practice of bhavana and wisdom arises in this way. So this innate knowledge, all humans and animals have this. And if we don't develop our minds, then we'll be no different from an animal. And an undeveloped mind in this way has uh, greed, aversion, and delusion. And the undeveloped mind will have this greed, aversion, and delusion, not all the time, but very often. And we must win and we must succeed uh, achieve victory over greed, hatred, and delusion. Sometimes we may win, sometimes we may lose. And this is natural, we can't win over the kilesas every single time. So given this, we need to have patient endurance to see the drawbacks of not having patient endurance and to see the benefits of having patient endurance. To have patient endurance with one's moods and for all Dhamma practitioners, we all need this patient endurance. For instance, patiently enduring fear, if there's a high level of fear, one needs to patiently endure. And one can look at the example of animals who experience a high level of fear uh, frequently as well. And one can look at the fear of ghosts as an example. And one sees that the this fear, it's actually not arising based on an external ghost in one's environment, but it's actually the ghost in one's own heart that's coming from mental proliferation. And for myself, practicing in the eternal ground, this fear was so intense, walking near the bones of old corpses, that I felt that if um, the fear just got a little bit worse or the mindfulness got a little bit less, I would run away. And the mind at this point was like that of a crazy person. But there was sufficient mindfulness to know that, that I couldn't uh, take anymore. So at this point I went to meditate and gather the mind in samadhi. The mind became empty, the body became light and at ease. And I was able to see all things is empty. After the mind collected and became bright in this way, I went to walk meditation where I had just previously felt this incredible fear. And I saw that really there was nothing there. There were just bones, uh, really nothing there at all. It was just nature, just Dhamma. 
So this wisdom can arise, this insight and knowledge can arise, and we see clearly. If one just only has this innate instinctual knowledge and doesn't develop, then it's very, uh, then one is not able to see clearly in this way. And this opportunity to develop our minds is something that's very, very rare and hard to get. So may you have effort in this uh, Dhamma practice, in this bhavana. Have patient endurance first and make continuous effort in your practice. So do patient endurance, develop the mind, and develop the mind uh, bit by bit to whatever level one can. Increase the level of collectedness, contemplate the body, and in terms of body contemplation, one can, for instance, see the breath arise, stay for a little bit, and pass away. And this is vipassana, clear seeing. And this is something that's not difficult. It's very easy to see the breath arise, stay for a bit, and pass away. The breath is here for us to see. And we can see that the breath is, or the body is here because of the breath. The breath uh, sustains the body. So we see that the arising and passing of the breath is the arising and passing of, of our body as well. With every single breath, the, the body arises and passes away. And we can recollect that with every breath, every single breath, that's one breath fewer that one has left in one's life. It's constantly growing shorter. And one thing we can be sure of is that one day the breath will end, one day there will be no more breathing. Where this will happen, when this will happen, how this will happen, we don't know. Whether it will happen in the air, on water, or on the ground, we don't know how the breath will end, but we do know that it will end. So for Humans who have a lot of knowledge may have studied many subjects and have a great amount of, of knowledge. However, even with all this knowledge, one still doesn't know oneself. One doesn't know uh, one's own self. One doesn't even know when one's breath will end, in what circumstances in which it will end. So this is something that's very important to understand. It's something that uh, presently we don't understand, but we must endeavor to, to understand this point that the breath uh, must stop. So know just this. It's the same as a battery. We have a battery and we know that someday the battery must run out. In the same way the body has this breath as its battery, and one day this this breath must end, this battery must run out. It must end, it must extinguish, and the body will, will end and will extinguish along with it. So when we recollect this, we can really think to ourselves, well, what really is me then? What really is mine in this world? This is something, this is a point really worth thinking about. What is truly ours? What is truly mine? What can I truly call mine? given that this body is temporary, 
and must end one day. So we can uh, take, for instance, the example of we have a, a place, a, a location where everything is all set up for us. We can go there and there's no old age, there's no sickness, there's no death, there's no separation from loved ones. We can be together with those that we love all the time with no separation and no degradation. We can have our family and friends, everything we want, have all things all just as we like it, with no separation at all. And thinking in this way, we realize, oh, this is something we would really like. We'd really like this a lot. However, the world is not this way. It's not the way it is. We do have separation from the loved. And this separation from the loved is something we don't want, we don't need. And yet, it is the way it is. It is the eight worldly dhammas of gain and loss, pleasure and pain, fame and disrepute, and uh, blame and praise. It's something that's not stable. If there is a place of only pleasure and no pain, we would really like this a lot. For instance, if there is a place, a city or a country just like this, and we can see that the city of angels or devas um, is extremely pleasurable. However, it has an end. It has an end point because it uses the energy of merit to sustain it. And therefore, it has an ending where the energy runs out. And the pleasure and bliss of the Brahma gods uses the energy of samadhi to sustain it. And this also must end, even if it takes a long time. So we can see that even these very pleasurable uh, states of devas and brahmas has a supporting condition, and the supporting condition must end, must cease. So we cultivate our spiritual virtues, our parami, and we build them, and we build knowledge to make the mind pure. And a pure mind is a mind in Nibbana. And this is a mind that is in an eternal state. It's there in Nibbana eternally with no change. So we must develop our minds to have wisdom, to have virtue, to not harm one another. And when one gets lost in delusion and follows one's moods and feelings, one must endeavor, one must fight, and one must uh, practice to see clearly the situation that one is in. And if one doesn't see the, the drawbacks or suffering, then we can fall into a bad state based on this uh, lack of clear seeing and this following of, one, following of one's moods. And one can even be born into an animal-like state in this way. And one should reflect on this because after being born as an animal, it's very difficult to be born again as a human. So we must train the mind well, must practice well, to see that the animal state is, is fearful, it has uh, greed, aversion, and delusion all throughout. So we build our minds to be higher, to have wisdom, 
to have collectedness. So we must train and train our minds in this way to, to develop and to be higher, to make the mind well-trained. We grow in Dharma.